Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And apparently living in the age of King Charles, I'm Nick Severi. That's right. Unfortunately, the Queen's passing. As we're recording this, obviously, this just broke uh, earlier today with Queen Elizabeth passing away. So our condolences there to the family. Uh, some people don't feel that way. <laughs> we'll, get on, we'll get into that in a second because there's been some stuff I don't want to laugh about. Somebody passing away Uh, on the program today. President Biden's speech last week to the American people raised some eyebrows, even from those in his own party. Nick and I will explain. Plus, a third, a third of a major country here on this planet is underwater. You may not even know about it. The crisis that's happening out in Pakistan. We're going to explain it all. And lastly, in our new segment coming to the show, we're going to call it Dear Can We Please Talk? kind of like Dear Ivy, just a little bit browner. Uh, First, before I turn to my other brown co-host, I'm a brown guy, he's a brown guy as well, Nick Savary, a a couple housekeeping notes. The NFL season is now underway. You can check out Day to Day, the NFL preview show that I just did over on theanalyst.com. I host it there with a couple other folks from my day job over at Stats Perform, uh, data analyst, uh, AI data analyst, excuse me, Kyle Cunningham Rhodes joined me, and NFL writer, Nicholas McGee, check out that first episode, a preview of all of week one's action that's happening this coming weekend and a few teams to watch one near and dear to me and Nicholas's heart that resides out in the Vegas Strip. So check out that episode on theanalyst.com or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Nick, we were just talking about the queen uh, passing away. How are you doing? My friend, we just heard this news uh, coming down, but how's everything else over there in eastern Pennsylvania? Things are good. Uh, the, not much to report here. You know, life is good. We're, you know, getting ready for the fall. You obviously got football going on. Um, you know, first season, first game of the season, rather, you know, kicking off, uh, with, you know, the Rams hosting the bills. Um, yeah, just excited for the games that come back. Obviously we're thick of college football too. Uh, we were away, uh, for Labor Day weekend, you know, so we were in, uh, Cape May where we go now it's becoming an annual thing. It's just fun. Small town. It's relaxing just being by the water. So we enjoy it. How about you? How are you all doing? I'm good, man. Everything we're, we're about to set sail. Uh, well, this as we're recording this, you'll be listening to this on a Friday morning, but my wife and I are taking the kids out on a little cruise here, uh, on Royal Caribbean out there. Here in Miami, obviously a big destination port, and luckily the Bahamas is not that far away, so you can do like a quick weekend trip. So we'll be uh, on a cruise there. Uh, yes, Mr. Zavari, raising his hand like we're in class. <laughs> yes, you know I I texted this to you earlier when we we're talking about shows. I did want to bring this back up about the program that you're now doing with the analyst. I appreciate Folks, that. I'm a big fan of intelligent sports talk, and what I mean to say there is something we do. It can we please talk? You know, talk to inform people. You know, and add or search for nuance in news stories, not just the opinions, but really factually what's going on. Sports is a really fascinating time. We're able to do that with the understanding of analytics and the role statistics gets to play. Mike shows a great example of that. I think about this often because I am a a fan of ESPN radio. It um, I listen to it forever. But so many outlets like that, Mike, are just producing just boring and very trite. Um, what I would call like coffee and bagel sports talk. It's very simplistic. It's not adding a lot of nuance, but I'm not going to go. Where am I going to go to get information that feeds me as a gambler, as someone who you know has that additional level of interest in the game? I also play fantasy football. I'm certainly not going to go to listen to some blathering folks talk about, you know, well, back in my day, I did this. Or, you know, if you look at the play, it does that. No, no. I want stats. I want informed people. Mike show combine that with just great gambling analysts out there gives you the information we want to know. That's 21st century sports talk. Again, shameless plug. I'm a huge fan of Mike's program. I'm a huge, but more importantly, I'm a huge fan of intelligent sports talk. And Mike, I thank you for you and what everyone at the analyst is doing about bringing that level of discourse to a place that often doesn't seem 
as a, as welcoming a place for that level of nuance. So good job on you guys. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, I was going to clip all of that out because it was long winded, but then you got to it and you said that you liked the show and you bugged the folks over at the analyst. <laughs> so now it stays for the people that are like, cut it out. No, it'll be in there. Uh, no, thank you. We, we truly are, you know, we started the analyst back in 2020 during the pandemic. And, you know, the company I work for, Stats Perform, has such a rich history of sports data that it's so easy to tell stories when there's no sports on with these stats and insights and historical stuff, putting videos together, images, whatever it is. Um, so they've done a great job over at The Analyst and they've allowed me to create some content over there. So shout out to them. Um, I wanted to tell you a quick funny story before we get into our first segment and President Biden's speech last week, because there's a bunch of directions that we're going to go in that first segment. But um, piggybacking on that, the midterms are coming up. Obviously, you, we all know that we're doing our live show in D.C. in October. We're going to be discussing the midterms. We're going to have a bunch of great guests on. But I got a phone call yesterday and one of those robo calls here. You know, we'd love to know about topics, holding issues that are important to you. And as the person's asking me these questions, I'm waiting for the buzzwords right to kick in. So that way I know who they're, you know, canvassing for, for lack of a better term, you know, or doing the phone bank stuff for. And then finally they get to it. They're like, can I ask you, do you agree with uh, Charlie Chris's socialist agenda? And as soon as I heard that, I said, oh, that is funny. And and the questions, it was you, it was clear as day that it was somebody calling from DeSantis's, uh, you know, or, or maybe it was, a, a, you know, an independent one, but the questions were very geared towards Governor DeSantis, where I live up down in Florida. So I just thought that, that was so funny. Some of these questions and the and you could hear in the other person's voice, they didn't want to read this script because the the questions on there are loaded, right? And the buzzwords are part of it. So I just thought that was funny. I wanted to share that with you because I'm sure you've gotten that uh, in Pennsylvania, some robocalls there uh, asking you Dr. Oz related questions. We have, you know, but what's funny about polling now, Mike, is that it's becoming, I really like what you just said. It, it is very buzzword driven. Yeah. And maybe you and I, because we do this show and reread, it's funny, man. For any of you folks who are our age, you remember, you know, current events in you know, like school when you were you know, going, you know, in third grade, fourth grade, what have you, you have to go home, read a newspaper, clip it out, bring it to school the next day, talk about what you read. Right. Um, and it's funny because it's one of the earliest forms of media literacy that I can recall. And back then you'd, you know, have your local paper, you pull something out, read it for class the next day, you know, because of this show, it's forced me to read multiple news outlets and i credit mike for that but just in in terms of prep for this program um and i think about that with this because you know when we think of buzzwords like this is i, I get those calls a lot um and like there's a way to do this without going down the road of you know are you leaning left or right like you could ask me straight up right you know for doug mastrano he believes x these are his policies you know Scale of one to 10, which direction do you side with? Like, I just did it there, folks. Very simple. And yes, you can go ahead and hire me for a pollster if you like. It's not that complicated. But when you do have these scripted questions, and I've gotten the same thing too, where I've had people read it and awkwardly pause when they say these things. And you just feel as though you pollster don't even believe this stuff. Right. So are you working for a party or is this some kind of objective form of data of data capture it's silly but anyway back to you oh, i'm sorry about that no no no, no worries no but i uh it perfectly transitions into our first segment because i actually was asked to do some phone banking for uh the the president down here in florida as well and i just didn't want to do it because same thing the script of questions that you're asking or uh, to somebody out there that you're calling it just doesn't make it conversational. It makes it feel forced. But let's get into uh, our first segment and and uh, President Biden's speech last week. If you don't know what we're talking about, I mean, again, you must have been living under a rock. But President Biden last week gave a speech in Philadelphia, uh, and everyone has been talking about the president's remarks and uh, about you know destroying democracy, what the MAGA Republicans are standing for. This speech was called the battle for the soul of the nation. But don't take my words for it. Let's listen to a little bit of what the former president said in his speech last week, if you didn't catch it. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. These are hard things. But I'm an American president not a president of red America, blue America, but of all America. And I believe it's my duty, my duty to level with you, to tell the truth, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful. 
And here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state, to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. The president also went on to say in that speech, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, I'm quoting from the speech, we must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving American democracy than MAGA Republicans are to destroying American democracy. Um, you know, the president obviously giving this speech, um, and I'm not sure um, what was the purpose of the speech. I know the president's been out there campaigning uh, and going to different places like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, talking a little bit about gun reform, different bills, campaigning for people that are up for election in those different key races that are happening in Senate races across the country, House of Representatives stuff. I don't mean it in like, a, I don't know what he's doing giving this speech about the soul of democracy. I mean it more in the context of it didn't fall in line with like the rest of the stuff that he was doing in terms of campaigning and going out there and giving speeches, meeting with unions and things like that and talking about uh, labor laws or what or what some of the the legislation that Democrats have passed into law, uh, what it does for the uh, average American person. Um, so with that, uh, I want to get, Nick, some of your takeaways. But the first thing I wanted to say was uh, the media's coverage of this has been hysterical. And I say that as somebody who not only has worked in the media, still works with media outlets. Just to give you an example, the Washington Post ran two opinion pieces uh, to, uh, a day apart from each other. One says the GOP's reaction to Biden's speech shows that his anti-MAGA strategy is working. The next day, Biden's MAGA speech showed his blatant hypocrisy. How can one outlet run two things contrary, contrary to each other? And then, you know, as I'm combing through different media outlets, and we've talked about this, and Nick just mentioned it, right? Going through different sources, not just coming to us or coming to, you know, 8 p.m. on a certain channel for your all your news and information, going to a bunch of different places. These are some of the clips that we've compiled here. Our shout out to our producer, Tim Meehan, uh, of just some of the things that people are saying, Democrats, on the side of Joe Biden about this speech. Take a listen. The Institute for Strategic Dialogue, which tracks hate speech, said after the Biden speech, there was a surge online in conversations that said Biden's remarks singling out MAGA Republicans were interpreted as a declaration of war against conservatives and all the Trump voters. The idea that he condemned us was worse than Hillary calling us deplorables, was worse than Obama calling us extremists. He basically called us bad people. I cringed when Hillary Clinton said basket of deplorables. And I thought, oh, that's not going to help her. That's not going to help us being Democrats. Um, I felt the same way when the president made his comments, because there are extremists in both parties. There are certainly extremists uh, with MAGA. We've seen video of that on January 6th as an example. Um, but you, you want the whole pie. You don't want just pieces of the pie. You tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results yeah. is extreme now, yeah. why so let's So let's be really clear that that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have How been, I have ridiculous. been, well, you're asking me, you're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it was well, ridiculous. I was, I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the, what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. And here's the thing. I have said Governor Kemp won the election in Georgia. I've been clear about that. Uh, I have said President Trump won the election of 2016, and I've been clear about that. All right. So some of those clips, let's give some context for the people, because you may not know the voices. One of those 
folks has been on the show and another one is actually uh, scheduled to come on the show. But um, what that, well, the first, the last one that you just heard there was obviously Peter Ducey from Fox News asking a question to White House Press Secretary KJP. Um, you heard Leslie Marshall there, the former Democratic strategist and Fox News contributor. Uh, Nikki Haley, obviously, uh, you heard her there saying that we're, we're just bad people. Um, and then her words, by the way, not mine. And then uh, lastly, uh, in the beginning of the clip was uh, ABC News's Martha Raddatz, and and she was hosting or filling in, I believe, on ABC this week. And she asked that question to the former Atlanta mayor who's now uh, working in the Biden administration. Um, I just thought some of this stuff is hysterical, how it's playing out. And you can see it, just like I mentioned in that Washington Post, uh, how on two different uh, days, uh, a, a opinion editorials from two different people with two different captions trying to get the clickbait right and give really both sides of this argument. But there is no both sides to this argument. We've talked about this all the time. You're allowed to be a Republican. You're allowed to be a conservative. And that's what President Biden said in the speech, right? I read it to you. Democrats, moderates, independents, and moderates meaning Republicans as well. Like we all have to stand against this right and wrong, fair and free elections. You know, I didn't play it in the clip there, Nick, before I let you go. Um, but in the in the exchange between uh, Martha Raddus and she was asking uh, Keisha Bottoms, I believe is her name, the former Atlanta mayor, the, the mayor said, why don't you guys go back and just read the speech, reread the speech. You don't got to listen to it. Just read the words that are out there. And I'm going to read it to you one more time. This is a nation that believes in the rule of law. We do not repudiate it. This is a nation that respects free and fair elections. We honor the will of the people. We We don't deny it. Um, and so I'm with President Biden on this. Again, I don't know why you need to have the speech. We can get to that in a second. But it's more of like this isn't Republican versus Democrat. This is right versus wrong. There are current people and we've discussed this on the show and we've done analysis pieces on it. Carrie Lake, for example, who's up for the Arizona race in, in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, who is defending the January 6th people, right? Calling them prisoners of war. I mean, prisoners of war. You know, the 2016 comparison with Peter Ducey, did anybody storm the Capitol uh, in 2017? Uh, it, do I remember that in January 6th of 2017? Did anybody storm the Capitol there? Because I, I don't remember that. I do remember a protest, but I don't remember anybody storming a Capitol building and, and damaging government property and five people dying in subsequent days. I don't recall that. Maybe I'll look it back up. But Nick, I want to get some of your takeaways because this speech has, has been... I think this has probably been the in television terms, if you talk about the A block, right, this is one A right behind everything that's happening with Trump and DOJ. And we'll get into that stuff in coming episodes now that we tape twice a week. But just hearing some of the way Democrats are reacting to this speech, it's like, no, we should take the foot off the gas. Well, this is not foot off the gas. This is right. Wrong, man. This has nothing to do with Democrats, Republicans, just like President Biden said in the speech. This is I won. Just like he won. When he won, we said he was president. Nobody nobody stormed Capitol buildings and nobody did any of that. Like, I want to get some of your takeaways uh, on not only the speech, but the montage there that we played of, of, of people uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle. One that's been on this program uh, talking about a President Biden's speech and it, and it being uh, divisive. Yeah, I mean, divisive is in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Um, it's a brilliant move, actually by the president um, for a couple of reasons. You mentioned the states that he, he visited recently, uh, Pennsylvania. So let's talk about Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania is, for the most part, most it's a purple state, but leans red. But ask yourself, when we talk about red, when we talk about Republicans, what kind of Republicans are we talking about? It's not really MAGA Republicans. Uh, we know this because right now polling data is telling us that Doug Mastrano, the Republican candidate for governor, uh, continues to fall behind Josh Shapiro, you know, in polling data. Um, it's a state that you have a Republican presence. But what Biden realizes is that the Republican Party is actually fracturing. Now, how do I know this? Right. Well, let's just talk very quickly about what we're seeing in some Senate races. If you t and Mike and I've talked offline about this, but there's something that is starting to brew funding wise with where Senate campaign money is going. Uh, recently, it's been pulling out of Arizona, um, where the current um, Democratic incumbent looks like he's pulling ahead. Um, pulling out of Tennessee, out of uh, Pennsylvania, 
actually. You know, the Senate, uh, the funding, Republican funding support, it's not going to Mehmet Oz. It's it, Republicans are starting to realize at the Senate level, some of these far right candidates are looking less and less likely to win. So why do I bring this up? It's because Biden, like myself, like Mike, like a lot of people who've been paying attention to this, recognize that there is a fissure happening in the Republican Party. There's a, there's two directions Biden could have gone with that speech. He could have just said Republicans. He could have said Republicans. This is a problem in your house that you're not solving. But he didn't do that because he knew what we remember from 2021. Remember the speech that Mitch McConnell gave when he recognized that Joe Biden had won the election. Remember what Mike Pence did. More importantly, what he didn't do, right, in terms of um, not certifying the results. Joe Biden has been in the Senate long enough and has been, you know, a former vice president, now obviously president of the United States, is has spent enough time in Washington to recognize that there are enough Republicans to get things done. And at a state level, when you're talking to Republicans, when you refer to MAGA Republicans, what's your base? First off, what you're doing is you're doing the job of the Lincoln Project, essentially. But you're recognizing that there are mem- members of the party that you can be able to work with. There are members of the party that you can be able to fragment and to say, look, I understand where you stand, but you know in this upcoming race, the person who represents your state is not going to win or is not necessarily connected to your values. Let's take a look at Wisconsin for a minute, where the incumbent Ron Johnson is actually starting to fall behind the polls. Him and Mandela Barnes, the Democrat candidate, are pretty close at this point. I think it was like 43-43, this is a split. That's not possible. Wisconsin looked like it was going to go to the incumbent. Um, but obviously, Johnson's comments recently about Social Security being up for the vote in Congress every few years it was political suicide, essentially. Um, but all of this is to say that Biden sees that the fissure of the Republican Party is there. And the smartest thing you can do is just split it. It's just welcome the fact that, hey, there's members of this party I can work with that I have worked with. And then there's just some psychos on this side that we don't work with that more importantly are not emblematic of Americans, that more importantly are the same folks who climbed the Capitol steps on January 6th. And it's okay to say that those folks don't represent the Republican Party. And I'm not going to stay here and talk about where I stand on this, because I have my issues with how the Republicans have handled um, MAGA. In essence, it's basically Frankenstein, and I'll leave it at that. And Biden's smart enough to see that. When you have someone like Leslie Marshall saying, well, you're painting these people a certain way, I really would respectfully push back on that because I think it's okay to do that. Because if you split the vote, what you're basically doing is you're setting a stage for Republicans who are moderate. And I think of folks like Charlie Dent, who no longer serves in the in the House, to recognize that it's okay this go around to vote for the Democrat who's a little more mainstream. That's why someone like Josh Shapiro runs for governor in Pennsylvania. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a Democrat. How far left is he? Not that far left. He's not, you know, someone like, you know, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez, right? And that works. That's why Connor Lamb won that special election back in 2017. So there's a strategy here. So I thought it was brilliant. I was stunned, like you, about this reaction of, well, you're painting people to broad brush. You go ahead and do it. Did you? Yeah. Did you all not see January 6th? Anyone who went, folks, if you went to the Capitol. I have a problem with you. And I think you should be in jail, period. If you are sympathetic to people who went to the Capitol, I'm going to look at you funny. And that's a teaser, by the way, for what we're going to talk about later in, in this show. Yeah. And that it makes all the sense in the world. That was a form of treason. It's mindless to me that people would be that some people would look at this and say, well, you're painting with a broad brush, deplorables, blah, blah. No. <laughs> when Hillary gave that statement, she wasn't separating. She wasn't trying to break apart and by you know bifurcate the republicans she basically kind of paid them on the broad brush which partly came back and bit her on the butt right right and it was by the way it was wrong that she said that let's be honest i mean that was wrong she shouldn't have said that because of what ended up happening coupled that with what with the comey stuff and her not traveling to you know wisconsin michigan and pennsylvania i believe and and there you go now she's not president but again this uh, i want to get back to the reason i uh, was like, I didn't even know the speech was happening. And then everyone's talking about it. And it's because I don't get in the context of what he was doing, 
which I just mentioned, going on tour, daytime speeches, workers unions, talking about Safer America plan, right? And and guns out in Wilkes-Barre. I get all that. The guy's from Pennsylvania. I get that. Campaigning for people for midterm races in different states. I just didn't get a primetime address to the nation because- um, and I would, I agree with you. I would push back on Leslie Marshall. I wish we had Leslie on the show this time, not then, because um, I'm all for calling them out. I don't know if I need a primetime speech in the middle of a tour. Like, I think we just continue to harp on, and I, I say we, and I shouldn't say we, they should just continue to harp on the messaging part of this, right? Like, just like you said, fracture the party. We know where the moderate Republicans stand. John Kasich and guys like that and girls like that, by the way, uh, we've had one more Gillespie that works for Representative Kinzinger is a perfect example, right? Like moderate to even conservatives like Olivia Troy that called herself a radical centrist when she was on the program. Those are not the people we're talking about. And the president was real clear in that. So I don't understand some of the Democrats that have an issue with calling out the crazies. There's crazies on this side of the party. Yeah, the crazies and the Democratic side of the party want the government to pay for everything. And they want community policing. They don't want people to have, like, they don't even have, want cops to have guns. That's a little crazy. You, Nick, you know how both of us feel. The, the, we need some police, right? We, we need to hold them more accountable. We need to get rid of some of these laws like the immunity. And then, you know, we can start actually uh, getting justice for people that are wrongly, you know, killed by the police. But you need police. Like, you, you can't have me and Nick showing up to a domestic, you know, a dispute and then, you know, trying to enforce justice. That's not how that you don't works, want us, right? No. You don't want us there. Right. Exactly. The two of us are podcasters now. So you don't want two podcasters showing up and helping out with that. Anyway, I want to move to something else because the the speech itself, um, I just was I was baffled that it was happening and and again, falling in line with the tour, the ire of it from people on the Democratic side of the house, and especially a, a loaded question like what Martha Raddis asked. Um so what? Those people live in a rabbit hole of of confusion and they're being fed all of that stuff. They're eating it up. So, of course, and, and then the red background with, you know, uh, and their let's go Brandon stuff like they're eating that stuff up. They're already going to be riled up regardless of when the president speaks. It doesn't matter. They're already riled up to continue to call out the election deniers, the ones that are running in key states. I have no problem with that. Nobody should have a problem with that because it's right and wrong. In our last segment, we're going to get into how to deal with your MAGA friend. It's part of Dear Can We Please Talk. But before we go to the break, one thing I did want to touch upon, uh, I mentioned this at the top, a third of a major nation on this planet is underwater. If you haven't heard about the deadly monsoons and floods that are happening in Pakistan, um, we're going to cover a little bit of this right now because there's more than 30 million people in urgent need after these devastating floods, 135 bridge, bridges have been washed out. Nearly a half a million homes have been destroyed. That number continues to climb. Uh, just as of this taping, more than 1,200 people have died, and the rainy season isn't even over yet. Take a listen to this. In Pakistan, the government says floods across the country have now killed more than 1,300 people. Rescue efforts are continuing in parts of Sindh province. It's one of the worst affected areas. There's real pressure now to rebuild all of these buildings that have been lost. Climate change minister Sherry Rahman said that international expertise will be needed to help make the country's infrastructure climate resilient. She's been speaking to our Pakistan correspondent, Pumza Khalani. In Pakistan, where there was very little climate literacy, it's been a real uphill task. Uh, but this year has brought so many uh, cascading calamities, one after another, that, that naturally people ask, what is it that we're doing wrong? Uh, that was from BBC News. I did want to say the correspondent that they mentioned there, uh, Pumza Falhani, she was actually supposed to be on the show with us in this segment talking about this. But unfortunately, due to some communication issues that were happening over there in Pakistan, we weren't able to get her on the program today. Uh, we hope to get her in the coming weeks um, because we really want somebody that's on the ground covering this to talk about this. But you just heard Sherry uh, Rahman, I believe I'm saying her name wrong, Pakistan's climate change minister. By the way, a climate change minister, Nick, do you know of one that lives here in the U.S. cabinet? I don't know of any, but um, they should have that. Uh, what happened basically in Pakistan, this is their worst climate induced natural disaster in years, record torrential downfall, uh, rainfall, excuse me. And then there's melting glaciers in the in the country's northern mountains that have led to this contribution. And like I said, close to a third of the country 
is underwater. There are, I think, about 300,000 plus people that are displaced right now from their homes. Uh, in our show notes link, oh, we're going to have a link to the International Rescue Committee, which is helping with donations uh, over at the help.rescue.org uh, backslash Pakistan. But we will have the URL in our, and by the way, URLs, Tech Talk, but the website link, we will have that in our show notes there um, because this is a this is a huge issue that's happening not only for the people that are living there. Obviously, we've had Amna Nawaz on this program who, who is Pakistani and she was covering this as well for PBS's News Hour. I know this hits her personally. She mentioned on when she was on a show with us of the times that she's gone back to Pakistan as a little kid. Uh, Nick, just real quick before we go to break here, for everything that's happening in that region of the country, um, or excuse me, of the world, um, for the people of Pakistan there, some of your reactions, we were, we were texting back and forth about this before, but and we've talked about climate change on this program, and this thing is real, and here's a nation that's really, really going through it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, we just right now think about the people in Pakistan. Uh, you know, it, as you said, Mike, like this is part of it, the ongoing trend. Um, you know, some from Bloomberg that stands out is you know, rainfall this year is running at <laughs> currently an average of 780% above average levels. You know, this is from, um, you know, from the climate change minister we just talked about. Um, you know, you think about just a significant amount of rainfall because one of the things that we had been reading about is that with this amount of rainfall coming, it's just basically rising water levels. And it's just essentially any type of land formation, you know, either you know, human created or just natural, the water level is just exceeding it. So it just it just basically bleeds over into communities and it just basically floods everything to the tune of people dying and people being displaced in their homes. This just seems to point to evidence again of a shift in the climate. You know, climate change can sometimes be a loaded term, but fundamentally what we're saying is that the planet continues to change. <laughs> there are weather patterns that are abnormal. I just said it, 780% higher than their typical average rainfall in that country. Their infrastructure can't sustain it. So on the one side of it, this is a humanitarian crisis. On the other side of it, it is this is part this is yet another piece of evidence of a global trend that we're seeing and this is the this is we just keep coming back to this how many more pieces of evidence do you need before this comes to your footsteps all of us as a global community as humanity before we recognize we have to do something you know there's there's hope i hear you know obviously obviously we know what's going on in california the the movement away from gas powered automobiles you know over by 2020 2035 2030 according to governor newsom hopefully um you know there's efforts right the g7 you know talked about this last year but that's not helping the people in pakistan right now so you know however people can help and support the humanitarian efforts you know please do so uh but at the same time recognize that the planet continues to change and we're seeing another sad piece of evidence to point to that yeah, Pakistan's climate change uh, prime, uh, prime minister, like I mentioned, excuse me, climate change minister mentioned that uh, they're going to need help from U.S., Qatar, Turkey, because in, this is her quote. We neither have the money nor the technical capacity um, or you you hate hearing that. And I feel for, you know, friends of mine that have family out there in Pakistan, like I mentioned, we'll have a, a link in our show notes there that you can help donate uh, financial relief to the International Rescue Committee to help the people of Pakistan with the Delhi floods that are happening there. When we come back after the break, our Dear Can We Please Talk segment, a new segment to the show, this time dealing with how to deal with your MAGA friend. Back after the break. Your website should be a marketing asset, not an engineering challenge. Empowering everyone from independent designers to whole marketing teams, Webflow combines the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and places them when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. All in a completely visual canvas. Trusted by companies like Lattice and Discord, it changes the way marketers, designers, and engineers create for the web. Now you can build the site you want without the dev time. Start building for free at Webflow.com. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Nick, the presenting sponsor of Can We Please Talk is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, this Pennsylvania company has been making their passion of bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world, roasted fresh to order in eco-friendly smart roasters. They're committed to quality, service, integrity, approachability, and sustainability. I know you've ordered a few packs there. You're going to tell the people because we all know what a big coffee snob you are. I live the K-Cup life, and I've ordered some of the Colombian roast and the breakfast blend. It's delicious. Your take, sir, on Fresh Roasted Coffee, a Pennsylvania-based company for the man in eastern Pennsylvania who drinks coffee regularly. Yeah, Mike, that's right. You know, shop local, right? <laughs> As right. always. Uh, yeah, I just most recently bought the flavored coffee set, which is six different incredible flavors. That's on its way getting shipped. I had that just ground, you know, for when it gets here. Mike, one of my favorite parts is that they allow you to take a, not allow, what am I talking about here? They give you a quiz just to get a sense of your taste. You know, so I took that quiz. I got recommended Sumatra, you know, just a great single origin coffee. But in addition to that, Mike, they have a great section, just the learn section. If you go to their website, freshroastedcoffee.com, there's a just on, when you click down, there's a learn section. For those of you who are not necessarily in the coffee game as deep as Mike and I are, you can learn everything from how to use your French press, how to use a Chemex. So they're, they're not just selling you coffee and tea, by the way, something That's very right. important. You know, a lot of places try to separate these two ancient beverages, not fresh, co- fresh roasted coffee. Nope. So they have a huge variety of tea as well. My wife's more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker. So I'm going to be hooking her up, but Mike, it's an awesome company. So many things available on the website. Um, and I think that those who are listeners of the show can benefit from listening to us and purchasing from there, if I'm correct. That's right. Because all you got to do right now, if you're in our show notes page or whatever audio podcast platform you're listening to us, you click the link that's available right there. That link will have a special promo code discount applied to whatever you buy from freshroastedcoffee.com. Head to that link in our show notes page and get in on some of this great tasting coffee today. All right, Nick, we came up with this idea for Dear CWPT, Dear Can We Please Talk, similar to Dear Abby, if you remember the column back in the day, where people would write in and we try to solve your problems. And this came to me because somebody actually uh, wrote into the show uh, and they were asking us uh, about some a conversation that they had with somebody and the level of brainwashing that happened with this person. I'm going to read you a little bit of this. And then at the end, there's a question, right? Like, How do you guys deal with people like this? I listen to your show all the time. How do you guys deal with this? So here's what the person said. I forget. uh, Here's a pearl of Trump wisdom. Person I was talking to said Trump has a plan to make everybody who's not supposed to be here go back to their countries. And I was like, really? And the person continued, all these people that are not supposed to be here will have to go back to their countries if they want to get their taxes back. So if you want your tax refund, you have to go back to your country first. And I was like, wow. I know a lot of people who are here on a work visa, pay social security taxes and went back to their countries. How's that going to work out? They're going to get their taxes back too. And she said, yeah, the treasury department has it all figured out. They actually already know everything. So we don't have to worry. We're all going to get, and she means we all like domestic folks, people that are US citizens are all going to get a really big fat refund once Trump comes back into office. Um, And the person at the end of this said, this breaks my heart to hear a hardworking person 
saying this with all her heart that she believes this BS. And the question at the end of it was, you know, how do you guys deal with something like this? Like, how do you guys deal with people that are, and I hate using the term brainwashed because brainwashed is, if you ever watch a documentary that's always around the cult leader, that's commonly where the term is used, right? And whether or not Donald Trump is, uh, former President Donald Trump, is a cult leader or not, that's up to people that have studied cults. I leave that to experts. I'm not an expert in studying cults. I've watched a bunch of documentaries. I've even sat in on shooting of one, but I don't know enough about it to say whether or not that's a cult. I think there are people that voted for former president because he just happens to have an R next to his name and they have an R next to their name, according to FEC.gov. So we leave it at that. But Here's what I will say about dealing with your MAGA friend. We're each going to take a turn on this, on how you would deal with a MAGA friend. I currently right now don't have any MAGA friends. I have chosen purposely to cut those people out of my lives. And and some people, I, I think I mentioned this, if you go back and listen to our American Radical episode with Eamon Mohideen, I've mentioned personal family members. I'm talking like intimate family members, right? Like cousins, uh, you know, sisters, like not my sister, but um, she's not like that. But you know, you know what I mean? Like, but like people at that level where I, that's it. I Sky is blue. The sun is yellow. You believe something else. There's an ecosystem over there and you can go live in that ecosystem and do me a favor. Don't be around my kids because I don't want my kids to not learn. And again, not Mike Leon's facts, not Nick Savary's facts, actual facts. The sky is blue and the sun is yellow. You believe in other things, go over there, live in that ecosystem, live in that world, however siloed you want it to be. That's the beauty of this country, right? You're allowed to be stupid, unfortunately. And I think the big key is if in the question that she was asking there, she's dealing with somebody on a business level, right? Like it sounded like from the email, like maybe there's some like business transaction or exchange happening between them. Uh, maybe like she's a realtor or something like that. And like, so she's talking to this person, trying to find out information. This person, you know, kind of segues into this stuff. So how do I deal with that person? In that scenario, always give questions to get more out of it is how I would do it. Similar to how you see police detectives try to lead somebody into actually, you know, falling into the trap, right? You know, lead them into it, ask them some more questions. Oh, so where did you read that from? Well, how, how, where did you see that? Cite me the source, right? Similar to why we started this show. I've mentioned this a bunch of times during the pandemic. This is why we started the show. Texted Nick, heard some crazy things from people in Florida. And I said it then, and I'll say it again. It's because they're lazy, lazy based on their search habits. Every answer was, I saw this on Facebook. It was from a Candace. And you know who the Candace is right after that? It's Owens, right? And that's not a news source. That's not a credible journalist, commentator, anything. That's not any of that. She's not any of that. Never worked for a news agency, not a reporter, not a correspondent, doesn't work in any government official positions. No, she's just somebody that believes in one particular thing, continues to harp on it, knows that money is to be made off of that, and has built a small empire off of that. Nick and I don't want to do that. We, we don't want to do that. That's why we live in the proverbial middle, whether or not you believe that we're in the middle is another thing, but we do live here. And I know that because we don't make the kind of money that those people make off of this. Not yet. Um, so going back to the overarching theme here, before I let you go, Nick, um, dealing with your MAGA friend, I don't deal with them. I have cut them out of my life. I don't have time for uh, people that don't believe in right, wrong, fact fiction. I don't have time for it. Whether or not you believe in uh, President Trump as the person you're going to vote for because of like economic issues and you want him back in office, that's fine. But if you believe, and again, that's fine. I don't agree with that, but again, that's fine. But if you believe in election stolen, if you believe in he'll be back next week, if you believe in like what Mike Lindell, my, my pillow guy believes in, again, there's a silo for you over there. It's on Newsmax and OAN. You can live over there. Don't be around me. And more importantly, please don't be around my kids. That is the big thing for me. I have cut those people out of my life. In terms of day-to-day -day action, interaction, excuse me, and, and I've mentioned this before, how we're shooting something on the Latino vote, and I've done a series of interviews with different people that do believe in that, it's the getting the information out of them. 
Where'd they get that from? Citing that source. Is it credible? Is it reputable? Right. And then at the end of the day, all you can do is similar to the court of law, present the facts and the argument, and then let them decide. If they still don't believe it, they're gone. And similar to like how I mentioned to Eamon Mohideen, um, should we care about that person and try to retrieve them? My answer is no. His answer was, uh, you know, proceed with caution, right? At your own peril, because that person could come back and what happened on January 6th could happen at a bigger scale. Uh, give me some of your takeaways on uh, that email that we got in from somebody. And how would Nick Savary deal with a MAGA friend? Yeah. Um, are you allowed to say the first name of that person or no? Uh, it says uh, Anna here. Okay. In the email. Anna, first and foremost, thank you for writing our show. We encourage all of you to do that. Can we please talk podcast at gmail.com? Remember, gmail, not Yahoo. Um, Mike, similar to you, I don't. It's funny. I'm trying to like go through the Rolodex in my head. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I mean, I use me Messenger for like different groups and stuff, but um, Facebook used to be the place I would see, you know, friends of mine or people who are just pretty much just Facebook associates, I guess, at this point, and post the crazy stuff they do. Um, and I guess that's how I would know where people are with these things. I don't use it anymore. Um, there's a friend that I still consider him a friend. I just don't associate with him. And it's someone that Mike knows as well, someone we knew uh, from college. And I don't talk to him anymore. Um, and his was an interesting story because he really turned um, after he met his wife. Funny enough, I saw this because the version of the person I knew prior to marrying this woman was just different. Um, but funny enough for him, where things really took a weird turn was after September 11th, uh, the documentary Loose Change had come out You know, a couple of years after it you know, made this whole argument about the Bush administration been responsible for the the, the destruction of the twin of the uh, the twin towers and um, really just distorted and, and uncomfortable and creepy stuff, really. And he just kind of went down that rabbit hole. And, and honestly, he never came out of it. Um, to the point where I would have other friends of mine, you know, pull these clips from Facebook and, and show like, look what he's writing. This is wow. But some people found that funny and I never did. I, I found it sad. I found a person that who I cared about, who I, who I considered a friend, just really spiraled down a rabbit hole. And, and you ask yourself at that moment, you know, what is the role you have here? Do you want to try to salvage the relationship or do you sort of let it erode the, you know, um, like what are your options? Folks, like Mike, I'm I'm in my 40s. <laughs> I'm, I'm married with two kids. Friendship is a funny thing to me now. Like I'm good with the friends I have. I don't need to salvage any relationships. I'm a parent, so first and foremost, my job is to to raise my daughters and to be a good husband. Um, so I'm not I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm not worried about you know trying to salvage friendships because I need. I feel like I need these people. I don't like I. The the barrier for me is pretty easy to determine whether. It makes sense to associate with someone. Uh, and quite honestly, it really comes down to how do they make you feel? Like if they're providing a negative form of energy that comes really from being MAGA. I mean, Mike, you brought up the documentary or the the podcast series that, um, you know, American Radical that Eamon had helped, had helped produce. Um, and it talked, I remember a lot of the interviews about this person who had gone to the Capitol on January 6th. And everyone just saw the same thing. This person had taken a distorted view and got far more aggressive about it. And some people started to maintain their distance. Some like her family were, were nervous for her and obviously sad when, you know, when she died, but there was a distance that forms. And that's the same thing for me. I, I really would struggle with trying to maintain that relationship. It's a different conversation if we're talking about family, but in terms of a per, you know, a friend, I don't find value in trying to salvage something when a person's worldview is so is so distorted um, that it's not it's not worth saving. Um, I mean, this crazy stuff. Go ahead and say in front of my daughters. I mean, I'll clown you for do, for doing so, but um, that's really the extent of it. But yeah, I don't. To me, it's not worth saving. Now, professionally, I will offer that. That's a conversation you got to have with yourself that right. in a business relationship, is this just something you don't talk about? And are you okay? Are you professionally okay with not considering that in a business relationship? Is this really about revenue? Is this about um, you know, developing a partnership that 
in your business long term is beneficial to you just from a revenue standpoint and maybe a brand visibility and i'll stop there with my wannabe mba talk uh <laughs> but it's, no, no. but it's these are the questions you ask yourself right but in short no as a friend no mike i'm like you i've cleaned my cupboard of people who would be sympathetic toward baga and and honestly as i say all this i'm a little sad because i do remember the friend i had once who once he sort of turned to the MAGA side, I, I guess I'm being facetious here. Right. Um, I did not find it to be a, a friendship worth salvaging. You, you know, I'm I'm so glad, by the way, you brought up the professional stuff. As you hear the music here, we get ready to sign off. But the professional stuff, it is true, though. Like, um, I'm sure there are people at, at both of our jobs that may lean conservative, Republican, whatever it is. And that, again, that is fine. That's not what we're talking about here. That is not what we're talking about here. Court of law, right, wrong. Those are things that we're talking about. Fact versus fiction. You want to live in the fiction world, there's tons of spaces for that. You can be in that world. And even if it meant business and costing me, luckily my my, my boss over at Sesame Forum uh, agrees with a lot of the views that I have. But it's also not about my view or Nick's view. It's about facts and information. Not your facts, not my facts actual facts and that's what we try to do on this program as best as we can each and every week uh we leave it there on that segment uh like i said it, write us in can we please talk podcast at gmail.com like nick said or even the yahoo one i think it's still working but uh, dm us you can text nick and i if you have our numbers but email us for sure and we'll read more of these if you've got a question comment concern not only about the show but something you want us to talk about we'd love to talk about it more uh video youtube check out our youtube channel can we please talk type that in there in the youtube you can check out some of the great interviews we just did just posted recently a shout out to tim Meehan, our producer the matthew brown interview so go check out wapo's democracy reporter there on all the legal troubles that are happening right now for former president trump audio podcast platforms you know them by now apple spotify google Wherever you get your podcast, leave us a five-star review and comment. Please shout out to ACAST, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. And you know I always come back to you guys and gals out there. We can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program each and every week. We're so thankful and appreciative. Uh, no episode on Monday, but we'll be back next week. Got some fantastic guests lined up in the next couple of weeks. As always, I am Mike Leon. Uh, not a fan of the crown. But in awe of the woman, uh, may she rest in peace to Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, and DC is happening, folks. Hope to see some of you all there. I'm Nick Saveri. That's right. To October 27th. See everybody next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.